who, in your mind, who's the starting other guard? First of all, did you say Obre Jr.? Come on, bro. It's Obre Jr. Man, get it together. First of all, you got to get the names right. Okay. You get your names right say. for all these stats well, you do? first you of all, right? you know, Anthony wants the big, everyone's got the big three. Anthony wants, like, the big ten. <laughs> five. Five would do. Just give me a starting five. What do you, what do you think, like, Okay, you know? okay. All right, stop the shenanigans. <laughs> all of a sudden. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Matter of Stats podcast. The fellas all with you tonight. And as you can see, we are very excited to welcome a special guest with us this week. He is the host, founder, and CEO of the LA Football Network, where he covers USC, UCLA, the Rams, and the Chargers. He is also the host of the Salute to Troy and the Rams Skinny on the LA Football Network, and locally on 1090 AM radio, the mightier. Please welcome the LA Football guru himself, Mr. Ryan Dyrud. Ryan, thanks for coming on the pod, man. What's up, fellas? Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for that intro. What the, uh, quite the byline that uh, you guys gave me there, so I appreciate <laughs> it, but um happy to be on with you we've got uh we've got paul rudd over here the eagles fan we've got <laughs> panthers fan we've got the lions so i think we're gonna have some fun tonight so thanks for having me on oh my gosh that the paul the, it's paul so funny I, I i hear the paul all the time people say you look like paul rudd and you can't even see my hair i think it's even worse when, when you see my hair but i just i don't see it i don't see it a, a few years <laughs> ago we a few years ago, we called him Gasol. He had the he had the longer hair, like Gasol did, and a little bit thicker beard and stuff. So he had the Gasol look going on. He looked pretty yeah. Hey, but I'll take it. Luck, I'll, so. I, I, I'll take Paul Rudd all day. Are you kidding me? I'll, <laughs> I'll take that resume all day. I was on a um I was on a live show once with a, a buddy of mine that does Niners content, and I swear he looked like Tim Tebow. So I like called him Tim Tebow. <laughs> And he's like, I've never heard that before. And now he hits me up all the time. He's like, bro, no one will shut up and stop calling me Tim Tebow all because of you on that one show. So nice. There we go. Yeah, this guy's been Paul yeah. Rudd for a minute. Yeah, you've been Paul Rudd for like 20 years. So that'll get Well, if Paul if Paul Rudd ever reaches out to us, I'll make sure you get the credit. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. But yeah, happy to be on with you guys. Thanks for having me. Uh well, yeah, thank you. Well, like I said, we do definitely appreciate you being on the show and um We'll uh, we'll jump in like we normally do with our headlines, and then we'll get into some uh, fun and exciting football talk uh, with you. So, uh, gentlemen, you ready? Let's go. All right, let's do it. Um, So our sports headlines will lead off, of course, with some New York Jets football news. They activated quarterback Aaron Rodgers last week. Uh, He began practicing. Doubtful if he'll play this season, but at least he's cleared and back on the football field. Uh, In some USC basketball news, Ronnie James uh, was cleared to resume basketball activities as well. So there's some rumors that he might make his debut Sunday uh, for the Trojans. So that's kind of fun, exciting news. Uh, The college football playoffs, which, of course, we will touch on with – Ryan here shortly. They set their final four. So Michigan, number one seed, will face off against number four, Alabama. And number two seed, Washington, will play number three seed, Texas. So we'll definitely have a lot to say about that. Uh, 
Uh, Rams rookie wide receiver Puka Nakua. He set the Rams single season receiving yards record last weekend. So quite a year he's having. Uh, also, some other Final Four news of the NBA variety, the inaugural uh, in-season tournament where the teams will face to win the NBA Cup. Uh, they crowned their top four teams as a quarterfinals finished uh, just the other day. So the four teams will head to Vegas. The Bucks will play the Pacers in the East semifinal. And the Lakers, who survived the Suns the other night, will face one of Kobe's 17B teams, the Pelicans, uh, in the other Vegas semifinal in the Western Conference. 17B teams. <laughs> Ryan don't know. Uh, and then our weekly NFL recap, where we touch on our local teams, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, Lions, uh, Billy's team, snuck out a win over the weekend. Uh Aaron, our super producer extraordinaire, MMA guru, uh, his Jags lost uh, a tough one on Monday Night Football. Uh, the Panthers, they uh, surprisingly, Kobe, lost again. So, yeah, he's like, I'm out. <laughs> and uh, and I think that's it. I think those were uh, I think those were the only. Uh, teams right, I believe. That, uh, that I believe. I believe your Eagles yeah. lost too, as well, sir. Uh, I don't. I don't really recall that game. Are you, are you sure about that? I, yeah, that right. slipped my mind. Huh? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. I don't. I don't recall that one. I guess that never happened. I think it, I, I think it slipped the Eagles' mind too, because I don't think they showed up for it. So. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I would. I think we'd all like to forget it. Uh, yeah, the Niners, they certainly uh, they destroyed us in the second half. Um, but anyways, uh, that's our headlines, gentlemen. What do you guys think? Unfortunately for Aaron, the Jags lost twice. Uh, unfortunate for uh, the QB getting that ankle injury. So um, we'll see what the x-rays say and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, that's a tough blow for them if he can't come back anytime soon. Yeah, I was seeing I was seeing uh, a meme that was like all the golf carts in Florida and yeah, I saw that. Couldn't get one. <laughs> He's like limping all the way back to the locker room. Like, dude. <laughs> there was the I saw uh, a meme of it was the Austin Powers scene where the guys trying to back the thing in the hallway, and they were saying oh. that's what the the equipment <laughs> oh. staff must have just been stuck in the hallway <laughs> trying to turn the golf cart around. The twenty point turn. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Uh, hey, good news about Bronny James, man. Like, uh, hopefully he comes back and no more setbacks, and uh, good for him. Uh, that'll be exciting to see what he can do for USC. Yeah, for sure, Ryan. What what what's the atmosphere like? Uh, you know, I know you cover football, and you know for USC, but you know for for basketball, what's the atmosphere like for Bronny there? In, in, you know, in USC. Yeah, I think people are hyped. I mean, obviously that's a, a big get and obviously everyone knows who his dad is, but but everyone's hyped about it. Hopefully he'll come back. But even Isaiah Collier, who was the number one overall recruit on the team, like, I mean, they're an actual good squad and they mm. had that bad loss against Irvine, but everyone was pretty much out that game. So, I mean, this is a, everyone jokes, you know, that they're a, a basketball school too. So I think there's a lot of excitement around this team. Mm. Go, go, go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as, as far as the tournament goes, like, I mean, all pretty uh, impressed of the fact that, uh, you know, the in-season tournament has turned out the way it has, you know, because yeah. I mean, like when 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 this uh, season started, we were all like even players were like, what the hell is going on? Like, we don't even know what, like what's happening. Like no one knows like the rules, like no one knows what's happening. But 
you know, last couple of days, everyone's been excited. Everyone's been pumped about it. So uh, I think um, everybody's been happy with the way it's turned out so far. Uh, yeah. I mean, you've been seeing over the last couple of days, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, media outlets and uh, Twitter reporting the early returns and the ratings are through the roof, which yeah. this is exactly what the NBA was hoping to be able to supplement some of the, you know, the letdown or or drag of the early part of the season in November and December where no one really picks up and really gets into the NBA until after Christmas. And it's yeah. done exactly what they had hoped it would do. You're talking, you know, million shares, 85% up viewership, 89% up viewership in, in a lot of these games. Um, way watched, you know, obviously more than any other random game in the middle of November or early December. So it's been a huge success for the NBA. And I would <laughs> can't imagine it's going to go anywhere now. <laughs> yeah, I was I was uh, I was against it. I wasn't a big fan of it. But um, after seeing how the games are going, how players are getting up for it and more competitive and how the fans are interacting, you know, on the, uh, you know, in the games um the crowds getting into it and stuff so yeah it, it's a lot more exciting than i thought it was so uh you know mm -hmm. I'm, I'm happy that it's yeah. going the way it is so yeah for me I, I i just didn't really like understand the purpose of it when it was starting off but i think yeah. as you said anthony like bringing in more viewership for this kind of you know <laughs> nfl heavy part of the sports here, exactly i think it's exactly it served its purpose so yeah, it's gotten me interested, at least at least knowing, like, what is the point of this? That's drawn interest mm -hmm. in. So I think it's the right. purpose. Yeah. All right. So uh, why don't we jump into our uh, next segment here, of course, with uh, Ryan here. We want to talk a little football, USC, UCLA, NFL. Got all kinds of exciting stuff, college football playoffs, like we mentioned earlier. So um, we'll jump right in. So, Ryan, I wanted to start off, of course, uh, you know, with our local teams, uh, USC, UCLA, um, you know, high expectations this year for USC, of course, like every year. But I think especially this year, they were, you know, expecting really high returns with everyone, you know, back in the fold. Um, both schools got off to great starts. Um, but finished with subpar seasons, particularly USC, uh, of course. Um, what do you think went wrong for, you know, for each of the two schools? You can start with either one. Yeah, for I mean, for USC, obviously, everyone knows about how the defense uh, performed. And, and you know, it, it, it kind of started when <clears throat> when Coach Riley decided to bring back Alex Grinch after that two lane loss in the Cotton Bowl. That kind of set the precedent, I think, for what the season was going to be in terms of defensive play. Um, but, you know, it, it was a weird season because the first year they so exceeded expectations, you know, winning 11 games and, you know, going from four wins to 11 wins and obviously Caleb winning the Heisman and getting a New Year's Six game, playing the Pac-12 title game. And so then they go into the next year with all these heightened expectations and there wasn't a huge uh, in terms of, you know, the defensive changes and then they're we're building from the ground up still, even in that short time. And so I think there was a, a factor of things that went wrong, but I think also when you look at the schedule that year one, they just didn't really play a, a tough schedule and in year two, they played a gauntlet of a schedule, especially that back end. Mm -hmm. When you see they played Arizona, Notre Dame, Arizona, Utah, 
Washington and Oregon back to back to back to back to back. I mean, that's got to be one of the toughest schedules in college football. And obviously they, they didn't mm, yeah. come out unscathed. So I think it's a combination of, of the defensive you know, scheme and, and, and poor play there. And then just the schedule just was not fitting. Like it, it would have been honestly, guys, if and this is kind of what, what Riley said a few times in interviews and a lot of people tore him apart for it, but I, I kind of understood it. He said, look, if we, I'm paraphrasing, but like if we had this schedule in year one and won six ball games, and then in year two had last year's schedule and won 11 ball games, everyone would say, okay, everything's right on track. We're doing what we need to do. But because it was reversed, right. it seems like the program took a huge step backwards. And in some ways it did defensively, but I think we'll talk about it maybe here in a minute, but the changes they've made now on defense, the recruiting mm -hmm. prowess they're doing with this transfer portal, I think they'll, they'll bounce back. So um, yeah, big expectations, big letdown unfortunately, um, but we'll see kind of how they go over the next month in terms of, you know, recruiting and adding to that roster. Um, and then in terms of UCLA, kind of there's, you know, they lose DTR and Charbonnet, but other than that, they brought everyone back on defense. They brought a lot of guys back on offense. Their defense went from 87th in the country to 11th in the country. Offensively, they were just a mess. They could not get consistent quarterback play. Chip Kelly's play calling was was suspect at best, especially when you have a freshman 18 year old and you're putting him in bad situations. I mean, I don't know how much UCLA football you guys watched, but he had three games in a row with opening drive pick sixes. It's like one of the first times it's ever happened. And as a coach, oh. it's like maybe we maybe mm -hmm. we don't put him in that situation. Let's run the ball against these defenses to start off and and get off the field in positive light. So honestly, shocked right. Chip Kelly is, is still the head coach. Um I'm not shocked, I guess, in the way that UCLA runs football. You know, obviously, there's a lot of talk about how they don't put a lot of money in the football program and, and stuff of that nature. But mm -hmm. just with the way the team reacted, with the way the fan base has reacted, I mean, it's it's been rough that he is not only back, but they lose Deontay Lynn. Dante Moore hits the transfer portal. A lot of their key players on defense mm -hmm. are going to the NFL draft. They've already lost three other guys in the portal. So it's, yeah, it's it, it might be a tough <coughs> couple of years for UCLA. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's funny. You you touched on, you know, Chip Kelly and obviously, you know, he was, you know, his Oregon lore goes to the NFL and, you know, we know that, you know, the kind of up and down debacle he had with, you know, my Eagles when he was there. Um, <laughs> kind of surprisingly gets the UCLA gig and it seemed like he was on the hot seat. Like it seemed like two years ago he was gone. Like he was gonna be gone. And then they then they had that kind of interesting year where they Looked like they were turning things around, right? Heading in the right direction. Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly was getting, you know, getting some praise for maybe like, oh, look what he's doing now. You know, he's turning the program around. And then this year certainly kind of seemed like, you know, they, they took a major step backwards. And you mentioned more, who we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, you know, it looked like he kind of was really flashy, got off to a good start. Like those first, you know, few games, there was a lot of hype around him. And then you know, things kind of settle in, defenses get better, schedule gets tougher, uh, you know, and then, you know, that's, you get what you get. <laughs> I, I yeah. think, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I think Chip Kelly, he, he was, you know, in from Oregon and then after Oregon, he tried to go to Philly and then he came to UCLA trying to run the same type of offense he had, you know, in Oregon, but he didn't have the same type of players. Well, I don't know if it was, in my opinion, I don't know if it was him not adjusting to what the talent he had on his team or, you know, it was like my way or the highway. I, I don't know what the what the setback has been on those teams, mm -hmm. but it's just not it's not working. 
Yeah, I, I think he definitely, in a in a way, that's been one of his struggles is not adjusting. Like it's just he's going to stick to what he's going to do, and you know you better learn it or or we're just going to keep writing it out. And what's funny, and I, I like overall, I like Chip Kelly. Going into last year, I was a, a supporter of his. I, now I'm kind of off that island, um, just based on how this year went. But but when you really look historically, like he's a guy that you know. There's some praise I get, like the the offense that he created. But in reality, he was only at Oregon for four years. He had like two. Yeah. He had two really good seasons. Obviously, one uh, one really good season where Marcus Mariota won the the Heisman and whatnot. But but that's mm. really it. It's like this guy's had 20 years of excellence, and and now is just kind of on the downfall. Like he's basically had three to four good yeah. coaching seasons in his whole resume. And so yeah. it's always interesting how much, you know, praise everyone mm-hmm. talks about. And I'm not saying you guys, but praise everyone brings up in Oregon. It's like, well, yeah. it, was, it was three years, four years. So he hasn't really proven a whole lot. And then here at UCLA, there's, there's obviously challenges at UCLA with recruiting in terms of, you know, different obstacles that, you know, being a UCLA student athlete carries, but mm-hmm. this was six, this was year six. And it's like that you get over those obstacles. I, I get it in year <coughs> two or three. Year six, mm. you need to put on a good product. And losing to Arizona State was inexcusable. And then losing the way they lost to Cal at home in that last game, like those were just bad looks on the program. And the last thing I'll say, I don't want to hog too much time, but the interesting thing, and in I think the only reason why he is back, aside from money, is that A, there's mm. a lot of rumors going around that UCLA's athletic director is kind of on his way out, really wants to get back to the Midwest. Obviously, the Ohio State athletic director is retiring after this year. That's his mentor. That's where he came from. So mm-hmm. there's that piece of it of him probably, yeah. I'm not saying he said this, but him being like, why am I going to go through the process of hiring when I'm on my way out anyway? The chancellor right. of UCLA is retiring after this year. So they got to get a new chancellor. So it just seems like to have a new chancellor, a new AD and a new head coach all at the same time, maybe wasn't the direction they wanted to do. So bring him mm-hmm. back. And then when they get those new pieces and those new people can make those decisions is probably <laughs> my guess is what they were thinking. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I think those are, those are all, you know, excellent points. Um, uh, USC, obviously a little more of the, you know, the bigger dog, you know, here in, you know, in the city, of course. Um, Caleb, you talked about great, you know, high, you know, Heisman last year, high, high expectations for this team. Obviously we know the defense was terrible, but why, why can't Lincoln Riley coach defense? Like what is, what is the, you know, we saw it in Oklahoma, we, we've seen it now here for a couple of seasons. What do you think is the real reason why the defense just seems to follow him, you know, negatively? Yeah, it's it's the, the million dollar question, but it, it, for whatever reason, those like air rate, those air raid guys just have a lot of pride and and not yeah. having good good hard defenses. So yeah. I think I think this hire they made with Deonton Lamb was a tremendous hire, and and yeah. he's saying all the right things. Coach Riley is in that like we're putting defense first, we're putting every resource into it, we have everything at our disposal. Um, so we'll see if they make that jump. But through his coaching tenure, he's never had a top flight defense, and. It doesn't make any sense to me because you think if if you're an offensive guy, you see that defense in practice every single day. You should be able to say, like, if we can exploit this so easily, I'm guessing other teams can, too. Let's make a right. fix of this. Yeah. So I don't totally understand that. But I think also, and this is more so my opinion, but Alex Grinch and even back to his other Alex Grinch was a friend of his. And anyone that works with friends, sometimes it's hard to be overly critical and they're like, oh, yeah, we'll make it work. We'll figure it out. And you need that. Sometimes you need that like pushback of your coaching staff of certain things. So I think with D'Anton Lynn, they'll hopefully get that. That's the hope. 
mm-hmm. but to answer your question, I, yeah, I, I don't know if it's pride. I don't know if it's just no one has pushed back against him. Um, but hopefully that'll change here now with this new hire. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on to the college playoff, uh, Alabama, they beat uh, undefeated Georgia. Uh, there was a little chaos uh, going into, you know, the committee making the decisions on who's going to make it into the bowl games. Um, do you think they made the correct decision? Yeah, I'm, I, I want to hear your guys' takes, too, so we'll have to go around the panel. But, <laughs> um, here's my thought. I think it's clear that if you want the four current potential best teams right now, I get it. Like I, I would, I think we can probably all agree Alabama right now is better than Florida State because of what's transpired. But that being <laughs> said, you go undefeated, you win your conference, you should be in. I mean, I think Florida State should get in. Otherwise, why the hell do you even play the games? And they right. won their final two games without their quarterback. They won the ACC championship against mm-hmm. a really good Louisville team without their quarterback. Um, they might get blown out, but I, I, they did everything they had to do. And I, I think if you start putting on this beauty pageant of who looks better on the eye test or, or who isn't injured, I don't fully like that. I get it. Cause yeah, I agree. Alabama probably is better right now, but at the mm-hmm. same time, Alabama played Chattanooga, November 18th, that automatically disqualified for me. If you play a division FBS school in November, I'm not for it. So what do you yeah. guys think? I mean, if you're looking at strength of schedule, I mean, Florida State, I think, had one of the toughest schedules in FBS, uh, even in, I guess you could call it preseason. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think Florida State should have been in. I I don't know. uh, I don't know what team. I can't decide what team should have been out. I mean, I've never been an Alabama fan, so biased, I would say Alabama out. Not just because I'm a Michigan fan, just because, you know, I, I just not a big fan of Alabama. Alabama always seems to find a way in, no matter if they lose a game or two. And somehow they always manage to get their way in, which I don't think is fair. Um, Texas won outright. Uh, Florida State won their game outright. And just because someone gets injured here or there, I don't think the kids or the players should be penalized for that. I think they should have a chance to play. If you get in, anyone has a chance. You get in the playoffs, you have a chance, no matter what. You know, anything can happen. You still have to play. You still have to go out and prepare and win a game, no matter how good you are, how bad you are. So, I mean, I think Florida State got a little bit of the shaft, but that's just my opinion. Um, And I think Texas might have too. So, I mean, not Texas. Texas made it in. My bad. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, you, you know, you, you made a good point, Ryan, that, you know, if you you go, you know, I test is is one thing, but also when you thir- you know, undefeated, that's an eye test, too. Right. You, you got the, the goal is to win the games yeah. mm-hmm. and it's tough for Florida State because, you know, yeah, they go undefeated. They win their conference. They're a power five school. I get it. the The ACC was was not a strong overall conference this year in, in comparison to some of the other ones. But um, when you're talking about a committee that is looking at maybe not necessarily, you know, there's a difference between who are the best four teams 
and who are the most deserving four teams, and then who's going to yeah. create the best matchups. I think that's really what this comes down see, to. Is, yeah, see, that's what they're looking at. They're looking well, at... Well, yeah, like Ryan said, I think the problem is, even though you're un- you got an undefeated school that's getting oust by two one-loss teams, <clears throat> they, the committee didn't want to put Florida State in because they're just afraid they were going to get rolled. And part, and part of that is because the other on their third string quarterback, but also part of that is, I think this, I think this was Stephen A. Smith or somebody on ESPN that said this a few days ago. Part of it is what happened last year with TCU because TCU was undefeated, right? They get in and, and Georgia beat them, you know, what, whatever, I don't forget what it was like 54 to 10 or something. They just destroyed them, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think part of that also weighs into the decision and, yeah, is that is that fair? Probably not, but that's the reality. And and like you just said, Billy, you don't like Alabama, but but Alabama moves the needle because people love Alabama. Because they're Alabama. People, people yeah. hate Alabama. Yeah. And are they deserving? Yeah, they're deserving. You know, they they got one loss. They're a good team. Like Ryan said, they're playing much better now than they were five six weeks ago. So it's tough when you set that precedence because you think, okay. Now, if we go undefeated and that's still not good enough to get in, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. It's all about competition and and putting the best best field out there. Um, mm-hmm. did, I don't know. Did you ha- guys happen to see what JJ Watt put up? He's like, give Michigan and Washington a bye and let the other four fight it out. Pretty much, I didn't, yeah. I didn't see, I don't remember exactly what he put, but that's basically what he was saying. And mm-hmm. that would have been nice to see you know, yeah. give the two top teams the buy and then let these other four fight it out and see who deserves, who gets in. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and that's what it'll be. That's what it'll be next year. So luckily we yeah. won't have, to have this issue anymore because you have the 12 teams and the first four, I think, get a buy. Um, yeah. So then, you, then you'll get that. But yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate for, for Florida state and it just, you know, college is so hard too, because it's, it's all, it's all about who you play, right? It's all about your schedule. And yeah. mm-hmm. uh, like I said, I made a joke about it, but it's like, Every year, SEC teams, and, and maybe I have a little bias too, so maybe I'm with you, Billy. But every every year, it's like <laughs> SEC teams schedule these cupcake games late in the season just so they can get they don't get injured, they can stat pad some stuff, and and it's like that should be taken into account. If you're playing a Chattanooga the second to last game of the season, where Florida State's playing a premier ACC team, or someone like yeah. USC's playing Oregon and Eugene, yeah. or or all mm-hmm. these different situations of all these teams where you can maybe potentially either get a loss or lose a premier player like Florida state did mm-hmm. like you shouldn't be penalized for that because the other team is playing some cupcake that they're just going to get an easy win on their, their resume and go into it. So, but yep. obviously that's not what do, the, the committee thinks. <laughs> do you think this is like the all solution like next year, how the, how the format's going to be, or do you think it's going to be like a testing deal? I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's, it's going to be way better, obviously with 12, it's, it add, it's going to add more games. So I think that'll be the big conversation. If we start seeing some injuries in those games, or obviously a lot of these players are thinking about the draft and they got to play three extra playoff games. So is that an issue with that? So I think that'll be more the conversation in terms of like, what's best for college football. I think it'll probably be the only, like the best solution they could do. Um, but the conversation will surround more about guys trying to go to the NFL and whether it's smart for them to yeah. play in them or not and risk injury See, and stuff like that. That's the <laughs> other thing. That's a good point you make right there as far as um, 
guys going to NFL and their last year, they're looking to be, oh, they're, you know, people are telling me you're going to be the number top 10 draft or whatever. Uh, that's a good point you make too. It's how's this going to affect all, all those scenarios. So, you know, Caleb's not going to play in the bowl game as we all uh, heard. So uh, yeah. that's something that has gone on for the last, like, I don't know, if I remember right, three, four years or so that players are starting to, a lot of bowl games because they're going to be a top top 10 top 15 draft pick so uh, that that, will be interesting to see how this goes as far as players staying and not and playing and whatnot yeah and this is a whole another debate so i'm not even saying i believe in one side or the other but the the easiest way to like solve that and have these games still like mean something these players play because you know Rose Bowl, for instance, each team, each program gets like three million each or something. Like it's ridiculous mm-hmm. amount of money. So the easiest way you do that is you do a rev share with the players in those games, and it's like okay, I'll I'll play because you know if I get injured, I'm making nine hundred k to play in that game or something like that. So that's yeah. the easiest way for them to solve it. Yeah. As you can pro- as you can probably tell, I haven't really <laughs> talked much because you know I don't really, I don't really know too much uh, football. You know, I, I barely watch any kind of uh, college ball Wait, or uh, pro the, football. The- but the one-win Panthers fan doesn't know too much hey. about football? <laughs> Where'd your quarterback play last year? Do you know that? Bama, right? There right you go. Yeah. The playoff. Hey. Yeah. yeah, look at that. Good well, job. But I'm, just, but, I'm just, but I'm just curious because, uh, you know, Colorado got off to a hot start this year, right? <laughs> and I know this isn't on the agenda, so we'll just throw it out there. But but what what happened with uh, uh, Shador Sanders and, uh, you know, Colorado? What happened there? They just weren't that good. I mean, they got it was <laughs> yeah. a, an overhyped team. Uh, we talked we, we talk with us all the time. Was on hyped. Our... Anthony was hyped. Like, like, the first, like, two weeks, Anthony was, like, blowing me up. He was, like, putting yeah. it in the headlines. Like, we got to talk, talk, talk about Colorado. And I'm like, okay, well, cool, whatever. I, I whatever think... you well, because I, I think the hype is good for college football, but like Ryan said, it's like they, they, at some point they were going to be, become who they were there. They weren't a good team, right? They won what one game last year or something like that. But, you know, but, but that, but that buzz is exciting. You know, I mean, Deion Sanders well, still brings, you know, something to the table. They were, they were nationally televised, right? People were watching the game. Celebrities were going to the game. So it was, yeah. it was good for the sport, but I mean, eventually they were going to, you know, they were going to start losing. They, they beat oh, TCU. They beat, oh, they beat, they well, beat TCU and like the whole world exploded and, you know, suddenly they're, you know, this and that. And yeah. Ryan. And, and that's the thing that like, we, we, yeah, that we're not big fans of, you know, with, with Anthony on this pod is like, you know, he, he swears like initially, oh yeah, like they're hot, they're hot. He's on that bandwagon. And then the second that they're, they're not doing anything. He's like, well, we knew that was going to happen. We well, here's, happen. what do you, what here's, do you like to say, Kobe? You know? Kobe, what do you like know? to say? The shiny new toy syndrome? Yeah, you, you got shiny new toy syndrome for sure. Well, Andrew's here's what's so funny. <laughs> so, Ryan, you weren't alone, funny. Anthony. So, you weren't alone. Hey, here's, what, here's what's funny though. So, Kobe, who just obviously mentioned that, you know, he's, he doesn't watch a ton of college football. He was watching one of the games and it was, and it was like, it was like 47 to 45. And he's like, man, this is crazy. And he's like, this is like amazing. (laughs) And I'm like, this is college football. Every game is like this. (laughs) Yeah. Every, yeah. Especially if you watch USC this year, that's what every game was. But, but yeah, I think too, like the way they, they were able to deceive people because they played TCU who was in the national championship the year before. Now we didn't realize TCU was a 
I don't know if you guys can, can you guys cuss on the show? Uh, I don't know if you guys yeah, either or not, yeah. but they were just, a, they were a crappy team. TCU yeah. is not bowl. TCU is not bowl eligible. Nebraska is not bowl right. eligible. Colorado State's not bowl eligible. Those were their first three wins right. against non-bowl yeah. eligible teams. Yeah. yeah. So, but at the time it was like, oh, they beat a team that was just in the natty. Nebraska's a longtime rival. The Rocky Mountain Showdown with Colorado State. And then they go up to mm-hmm. Eugene, Oregon. And you're like, okay, that's the real Colorado losing 42 to eight. And then right. the rest of the season. So, yeah. Yeah. Then, but then the wheels it, fell off the bus. And like we know <laughs> yeah. with everything in life, the media knows what to tie their wagon to in terms of money. And they knew Colorado was a money train. So that's. Oh, it. yeah. That Come was on, that. man. There you go. Yeah. I was, out, I was out there for the SC game. Man. It was fun. <coughs> yeah. yeah did you did you did you get some of some of Dion's sunglasses or no? They don't, they don't no, not his sunglasses, but we were in the, uh, we did meet him in the, in the media room after the game. So yeah, it was fun. Yeah. We were in Boulder. It was a good time. It was mayhem. Yeah. Awesome. Oh yeah. Well, you know, uh, speaking of mayhem, you know, you guys touched upon it and, and Billy brought it up. Um, NL, NIL money, the, the transfer portal, which is just huge right now. I think I saw something, uh, yesterday about the amount of, players just or in the, in the past like what three days that have entered the transfer portal is like a like a third of every team's roster or something like that which is just crazy um mm-hmm. you know good and bad but ucla's quarterback dante moore you know he obviously announced that he was going to enter the transfer portal um like we talked about you know he had a little bit of an up and down you know season similar to colorado got off to the hot start and then looked like a freshman where do you think he ends up if i were to guess i'd guess michigan um just with jj mccarthy graduating he's from detroit uh there's been i've heard there's been talks with michigan so to me that makes the most sense is that your team billy michigan i know you got the yeah i could live i could i could live with that yeah that's uh anthony and i are both wolverine fans yeah oh both are okay yeah so it's like just real quick, the final four college teams, <laughs> as long as Ohio State isn't any of the final four, I'm good. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, you guys are great. You beat Ohio State and you're in the final four. So as long as Ohio great. State is out, I'm, I'm happy. Uh, no, I want to I want to move on, man. I'm, I'm, I want to beat Alabama. <laughs> Can't um, um, Alabama. Yeah, we another thing we kind of touched on just just a bit ago with, you know, the the obviously the expanding, you know, college football playoffs here that are going to be, you know, starting up next year. So, you know, as far as I can remember all the way back, you know, we, we've, we've always had these, you know, these iconic epic, you know, college football games, just like we had a couple weeks ago, right. Where Michigan, you know, beat Ohio state and, you know, it's like the winners in the playoffs and the losers basically out. Right. So do you think now that we're going to be, you know, expanding to the 12 team playoff, have we seen the end of these exciting, epic, iconic, you know, super meaningful college football games? Personally, I think we'll see more. Um, and here's why, because I think the way it's been with this four team is, you know, you lose one game, you're basically done. Season right, done. Yeah. You lose one player, you're basically done. Now with this 12 teams, and especially with essentially these two mega conferences, like you can probably lose three games and still have a shot to get in the playoff. And that's never oh, happened yeah. before. A two, a two loss team has never made the playoff. So I think it'll end up being better because there'll be so much to play for late in the season. Even if you are a two or three loss team, we'll see some new rivalries brewing. I think Penn state USC is going to be a great rivalry. 
we'll see some different big games. I think that it, you don't have to be undefeated for it to be meaningful. You can be a two or three loss team and still have something to play for later on. So in reality, I think we'll see more yeah. with this 12 team just because there's more opportunity. There's there's more um, room for error, if you will. It'll be feel like more of the NFL where you can, mm-hmm. you know, you can be a, a three and six Rams team and all of a sudden you're six and six and you're you're in playoff contention. And hunt, it can be like right. that in college where if you lose two games in a row, it's not over yet. Like you can turn your season around. Whereas what we've seen up till now is you lose two games. That's it. Season over. Pack it in like you don't yep. have anything to play for usually. Oh, yeah. It's got it's oh, going to yeah. be similar to like the NBA play in. Right. Like, yeah, you, you barely get in, but then you're in. So you have a shot. Yeah. So once you're in the team, dance. Right. Anything can exactly, happen. exactly. Yeah. No, and and I I like your your theory. That's an you know, interesting approach because yeah, there's there's two sides to it, right? There's the like like you know similar to the NBA. There's the side of where the regular season doesn't matter because everybody gets in, so nobody cares until you get into the playoffs, and then it matters. And then yeah. there's you know your approach, which is like well, now because you're gonna have more peas in the pod, right? There's going to be more opportunities, so maybe you'll you'll see more competitive games, or or at least you know games that are going to matter, like you said, late in the season that could impact if you know this team gets in or where they get in, or if you have a buy or don't have a buy. So it's, well, it's, I mean, it's definitely a you know a good way to look at it. It's always yeah. going to be exciting. We're still going to have the rivalry games. I mean, those are always, <laughs> mm-hmm. always going to be big conference games and stuff like that. So I don't think it's going to take away too much and. You know, it, it like like you said, it, it's going to be, you know, those teams that are going to maybe squeak in that can maybe make an impact and throw some upsets and some wrenches in the in the pot right there. So that'll be mm. pretty interesting to see. Yeah. Are we are we speaking of since you guys are Michigan guys, are we going week three Michigan USC at the big house? Oh, yeah, well, I'm sure. You got to go, right? What a, what a game that's going to be. I mean, oh, man. Be, that would, my, yeah. dad, my dad and I have been dreaming of going to the big house. It's uh, He hasn't that's, been there. He's from Michigan. He had, you know, he had a house out there, you know, where he grew up. And, and they, you know, people parked in their big, big yard and paying yeah. to park in the yard and go over to the stadium and stuff. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that'd be a big thing for him. That's the week. Week three, weather will still be good. USC, Michigan. U- not to keep bringing it back to USC, but USC has a wild schedule next year. I don't know if you guys have looked at it, but they have a gauntlet of a schedule. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Recruiting is yeah, going to be huge for them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they got they play LSU week one. They get they get Michigan week three. They get Penn State, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Washington. Like they got a, Ooh. they got a pretty brutal schedule. Yeah. Oh yeah. You you want that Big Ten money? Here you go. That's right. That's right. So it'll be fun though. So uh, you know, we're talking about playoffs and all this stuff. Let's switch over to NFL for a minute. Uh, Chargers in LA now. Uh, they have a stacked roster. They have a super talented team. Uh, what do you what do you think is keeping them from getting over the hump? Is it the coach? Is it I mean, they have a super talented team. They just can't seem to get to that next level. What do you think is holding them back? Yeah, it's it's obviously what we talk about all the time. It's bizarre how this team just can't perform the way they should. And, you know, I think it's a combination. Um, I do think this coaching staff, in terms of just smarts and scheme, I think they're good coaches. Um, but I think now in, in year three and seeing how this is a five and seven football team, they're obviously going to need to move on and make a change. I think at some point, like 
players like last year to me was a phenomenal year for the Chargers with the injuries they had that they had on the offensive line, Justin Herbert battling through cartilage tears in his ribs with missing wide receiver one and wide receiver two mm-hmm. in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams for most of the season. Josh Palmer missed some time as well. Injuries all along the defense and they still went 10 and seven and made the playoffs. Obviously they had that huge blunder with, I guess your producer's team, the Jaguars, which I'm sure he was pumped about, but <laughs> I thought it was a good year for them. It was a good year that they could build upon. And then this year has regressed immensely. And so I think at some point, Players just either lose confidence in what they're being coached. They just don't do their job anymore. They don't trust the process of what they're going to do. And this staff hasn't made enough changes. They basically said, we're sticking to what we believe can work. And it hasn't been working. Players clearly aren't buying into it anymore. And so even last week, a 6 nothing win, the offense was terrible. I mean, I know that yeah. I know like defense. I know the Patriots in three straight games have held teams under whatever it is, 10 points. But the offense, with that many weapons, I don't care what the injuries they have. Like, you should be scoring more than two field goals against that team, a two-win team. Right. So, And you bring in Kellen Moore. Everyone was like, oh, that's the savior. Yeah. You know, they moved from Joe Lombardi. The Chargers offense, in terms of total offense, is worse this year than it was last mm-hmm. year. Um, which I think is fascinating that no one likes to admit because everyone hated Joe Lombardi so much and loves Kellen Moore. The Cowboys offense, gentlemen, which is crazy, under Mike McCarthy by himself is better this year than it was last year. So it's kind of interesting that I'm not against Kellen Moore, but this offensive guru has actually had worse offenses where he's actually been coaching. And so whether that's it's too complicated for players, whether that's whatever it may be, It's it's you know, I, I know it's frustrating for Chargers fans, but when it's all said and done, I think they'll they'll eventually barring them winning out, and making the playoffs. There'll be a full sale change to this front office top to bottom, I think. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people like um, say Staley's a big problem. I mean, obviously, everything runs through him. He he makes the final decision on certain plays on the field and stuff. And he he's made some questionable uh, decisions as far as crunch time and stuff like that goes. Do you do you think he's the first one to go, or you know, is it the offensive coordinator, or if Staley goes, does the whole does the whole coaching staff go and they revamp? I mean, it, it's a tough call with all the players that you have on that team. I would love to have a lot of the players. Most NFL teams would have love to have a lot of those players. So um, it's just crazy to see that they're not as competitive as we all thought they would be in that division. Yeah. So what I would do versus what I think they'll do, I think are two different things. What I would do if they lose this game to Denver this weekend, I would fire Brandon Staley and I would make Kellen Moore my interim head coach, because obviously he's a name that always Mm -hmm. props up, not always, but the last two years has propped up as a, a head coaching candidate. I know, uh, um, your team, Carolina, has expressed potential interest in interviewing Kellen Moore. So you give him the final four games as kind of a good luck. Yeah. Oh, he's, all, <laughs> he's all happy over there now. Yeah. But you give we'll you give him anybody. the final you give him the final four games to see what he's like as the head coach. So it's almost like a little mm-hmm. mini resume that the Chargers yeah. can say because they're not going to keep him as OC. If you if you fire Brandon Staley, he's going to get either hired as a head coach or another staff. So gonna, yeah, given those yeah. last four games, see what you have with them, see if the team makes any improvement, and then you go into next year and maybe you have at least an idea if Kellen Moore can be your head coach. What I think they'll do is let Brandon Staley finish out the year regardless of what happens, move on yeah. after the year from Brandon Staley and probably the GM as well, Tom Telesco, and then just do a fresh start going into 24. Yeah. 
Well, you're right. I mean, teams hate to fire coaches midseason. I mean, only yeah. the Panthers do that seemingly every year. But most teams don't like to do that. But I like your idea, right? Let's just Lane Kiffin him, right? Leave him right on the tarmac. Oh, shit. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I, I respect him too much to do that. But I mean, yeah, if they if they lose this Jeez. game, you can have him just go back to his home and his beautiful home in L.A. And, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, all joking aside, I think, yeah, you definitely whether it's next week or, you know, six months from now, they definitely need a, need a new coach, new head coach and, a, and, a, and probably a new full coaching staff. But do you think any of it falls on Herbert? Like, have you seen anything out of him this year? Maybe that is better, worse you know, maybe not seem seeming the growth and adjustments that maybe you would have expected. So I personally, I get shredded for this all the time because you talk about Herbert with Chargers fans and they, they come with the pitchforks, like I said earlier, but I think, uh, I think he definitely shoulders some of it. Um, you know, he's a great quarterback, probably in my opinion, the best arm in the entire NFL, even better than I think Mahomes and Josh Allen, in my opinion, or at least close to it. Um, athleticism is, is off the charts, but in terms of, of pre-snap reads, in terms of decision-making with progressions, like he's not a turnover machine, so he doesn't make bad decisions that way, but he's almost too careful with the ball sometimes. And here's what I mean by that. Like you, I don't know if you guys watched the Rams game last week, but that Stafford throw to Puka Nakua on the 70 yard touchdown. If you saw the all 22 Mm -hmm. angle of it, like it was a dime pass over a line linebacker in between the safety in stride that went for 70 yards. Justin Herbert has the absolute ability to make that throw, but you watch these route concepts that they draw up. They do stuff like that. And he'll just take the check down every time. And everyone blames the offensive Mm -hmm. coordinator and the system that takes a check down in reality, even when Joe Lombardi was here, they were drawing those plays up. He just wouldn't take the shot. And so I think some of that's him being, I don't want to make an interception, but some of that's just him not trusting his ability to make those throws. And then everyone else, though, puts the blame on other other people. But when you're going three and out seven straight times, sometimes you got to take the chance and they yeah. and push the ball down the field a little bit. They have less explosive yeah. plays this year than they did last year. And I think a lot of that yeah. is on Justin Herbert because you got to when you have that ability, you got to push it down the field. Yeah, no, you're right. He does, especially on some of the local you know, radio stations. He does get a little bit of that Charlie check down, uh, you know, stigma to him. So it's 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 not you're definitely not alone with with that take. It's it's, it's I've, I've, I've heard it. It definitely floats around that he doesn't you know, try to take the you know, take those deep opportunities. Well, and here's another here's like another example of it. It's it's hard to compare to the GOAT, right? Tom Brady. But yeah. Tom Brady was the best pre-snap quarterback we've ever seen, like dissecting the defense pre-snap, knowing exactly where he wanted to go to the football. And I'm not saying Herbert's bad at that, but there's definitely many times or more than not where he won't either make adjustments or won't change his pre-snap read that could lead to much greater opportunity. Last week, here's a super easy example is they ran this RPO and instead of him keeping it to where he would have had the streaking receiver out of the backfield that was literally going to be wide open because the, the edge guy was crashing down and they would have had a mm-hmm. 70 yard game for a touchdown. He hands it off to Eckler, gets a minus two up the front because they, they stack the box right there. So mm-hmm. it's those little things like that. Like had he had noticed, and I'm not saying it's easy. I couldn't do that, but that's yeah. that next step for him to make, to be that top 10 quarterback, to be that top five quarterback. So he's still a top mm-hmm. 10 quarterback, but yeah. would mm-hmm. this team be for five sure. and seven if he was a top five quarterback? I mean, mm-hmm. they might be six and six or, or seven and five instead. Anthony, I know we got another question we got to get into, but, um, Ryan, we know that, uh, you know, 
Caleb Williams, obviously, you know, he's going to be one of the top picks in next year's NFL draft if he declares. Uh, what are the chances that my Panthers get their, you know, first round pick back from the Bears? And there's no chance it's already this, happened. This is not the movie draft day. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> Yeah, you know, wishful thinking, wishful thinking. But where does Caleb go? Where does he fit in best? You know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I would say, yeah, zero chances he goes to the Panthers. Um, <laughs> that would be unless unless Ryan Pace in Chicago is eating his pancakes like in draft day and then makes a, a real interesting move. Um, I, I, you know, where does oh, he man. fit best versus where do I want him to go? I think are different. You look at the top teams that will have that pick. You look at. <clears throat> The Patriots, you look at the Bears, um, obviously it's the Patriots, you know, the history of Tom Brady, but I, I think Caleb Williams, who I love and I think is phenomenal, but very different mindset than Tom Brady. And I don't know if he would play well under Bill Belichick personally. Now, mm-hmm. do we know if Bill Belichick will even be there next year? That's a different story. Um, right. But I, I don't know how well he would thrive in that situation the Bears just always seem like a mess. So who's going to be their head coach, depending on who they hire, if, if they do, uh, which I mm-hmm. I feel like they'll move on um, yeah. from who they have. And if they go out and get a nice offensive mind, then I think the bears would be a good fit for him. I mean, he's played in LA. He understands the big city, the media, not, he didn't necessarily handle it great all year. I don't know how much you guys heard of, you know, him, some games didn't want to talk to the media after losses yep. in different situations like that. And, and so I, you yeah. know, he didn't handle that great and he would go to another big city, but at least he's, he's dealt with it. So I could see Chicago, yeah. um, but in terms of like best situation that would have like an opportunity to get him I'm trying to think of uh, the top of the draft right now, who would be there? Um, who do you guys think or where do you want him to go besides Carolina? Well, <laughs> I, I have I have a theory or at least a, you know, uh, a, dr- a dream. Uh-oh. Watch out. <laughs> so, well, no, 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 not not a dream like he's going to go to the Eagles. We're, we're good to I'm, I'm work. I'm, I can live with Jalen Hurts. We're all right. Um, well, but yeah. I think what would be ideal if they could find a way to do it is the commanders trade up to get, you know, whatever it takes if he's going to go one or two, right? Let, maybe Marvin Harrison goes one, you know, whatever, right? Let's just, wherever he goes, if he goes one, two, or three, wherever he's slotted. If I'm the commanders, I'm doing whatever it takes to trade up to get him. And then I am taking Eric the enemy and I'm sliding him into the head coaching role and I want to see what the enemy and Caleb Williams can look like because I feel like it would be, you know, a mini version of the enemy and Mahomes. And we saw what the enemy could do when he was, you know, when he had a guy like Patrick Mahomes. And I think Caleb Williams has a little bit of Mahomes in him as far as like the flash, the ability to make the, you know, kind of crazy, but you know, on target, last minute throw. I think he's a leader in the huddle. I think guys kind of gravitate, you know, towards him. So I'd like to see that kind of a combination. I don't know what you think about that. Do you, do you know where, do you know where Caleb Williams is from? <clears throat> no, I don't offhand. No, he's from DC. So, I mean, that would be a oh, match made well, in heaven, I think for him being originally that. a DC, a DC kid. So yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's don't, a good Don't scenario. blow up his head. Don't blow up his head. He's a, yeah. That's not that's not a bad deal. I mean, do do the Rams have a, have anything they could trade up? Because that wouldn't be bad either for the Rams to get Caleb, and he could just stay in L.A. and uh, you yeah. know Stafford if Stafford you know could play another year, and Caleb yep. can kind of 
you know, play <clears throat> under him a little bit and then take over afterwards. I mean, Sean McVay's not a bad, not a bad coach to play under either with all that, that young I mean, talent yeah. the Rams have. I mean, that's that just a be, bunch of young guys that could get along and make something happen. That would be a fantastic fit. Obviously, they keep winning, so they'd have to trade a lot. But we saw them, you know, we saw them and Les Snead do that for Jared Goff, right? Traded two firsts, two twos, two threes, whatever it was, to move up to one to get Goff when they were sitting at 12 or 13. So if they make yeah. the playoffs and they end up in that 20, 21, 22 slot, that'll be a little more challenging. But if they lose a couple right. here and finish the year you know, in those teens, I could certainly see that. And the other team that I thought when they were one and five was the Denver Broncos. I'm like, oh, that's a match made in heaven with Sean Payton and, and able to get him. But now they've also gone on a run and, mm-hmm. and are in playoff contention. So they'd have to give up a lot. too. Right. So I thought about Denver in the back of my head, but I just, I just don't know with, with, that cold weather and stuff out there. I don't know how, how that would uh, work out for him too much. Yeah. 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 I'd, he'd he'd be okay. Chicago. Yeah. Carolina. Yeah. You'd be okay. <laughs> you you, you got a decent you... Kobe. You got, you got a good quarterback. You just, they just got to put something together to, to make it work for him. They need some talent around him. They, they need, you know, yeah, they, they have need, nothing on offense. They, they need, no, they need some, no, pe- they need yeah. some pieces no, to make all no that work, line, but, yeah, no line, but he, no he's shown flashes. Nothing, he's shown flashes of, of being your guy. It, you just gotta give him some time. I mean, here's, a, here's a good example. Yeah. And he's, I'm not saying he's regressed this much, but when you have no one around you as a quarterback, look at, Pat Mahomes this year obviously still has Travis Kelsey and I don't think Pat I don't think anyone thinks Pat Mahomes is at is the Pat Mahomes that he has been as of late I mean yeah gotta have some of those weapons around you and Bryce Young has nothing hey yeah that kid that kid rice on KC he's gonna be something yeah he's showing a lot of potential he's gonna be something yeah they've got some good young kids so they just need to hang on to the football (laughs) yeah 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 it's hard to it's it's hard to look at Kansas City and think, man, they had they gave away Tyreek Hill, who potentially could be the MVP of the league this year. Yeah, yeah, he should. I mean, it's 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 really this is a whole nother topic, but yeah, it's almost annoying how it's a guaranteed quarterback spot because it oh, should yeah. be Tyreek Hill, hundred percent. Like it's gonna, it's, it's gonna end up yeah. being, it's gonna end up being Brock Purdy or Dak Prescott, who have, who have played mm-hmm. well. I'm not saying they haven't, but they have phenomenal supporting cast. They have phenomenal play calling. They have great offensive lines. They're just kind of yeah. playing within the system. And then you have Tyreek Hill, yep. who might go over two thousand yards receiving and probably won't even have a shot at winning it. Wild. Yeah. Um, well, and you know, and where was Miami really before he got there? You know. Yeah, well, Miami's got a lot of talent though. They got they got a lot of speed on that team, and they put a they put a good team together. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. You know, sticking of course with the NFL here, we talked about the Chargers. Obviously, brought up the Rams. You know, the other the other uh, you know, team in town here. Uh, it's been an interesting season for the Rams. So I'm just curious, do you think the Rams have overachieved this year or underachieved? I think they've overachieved. Um based on what they did in the off season, I was one of the, I don't know if I want to say the few, but I think the few that actually had them having a better season. I think a lot of people thought they were in full tank mode for Taylor, uh, Caleb. They were full mm-hmm. rebuild. It was going to be a 
terrible defense. I mean, you look at yeah. who they get. They traded Jalen Ramsey. They they cut Bobby Wagner. They make all these moves. They didn't re-sign Greg Gaines and all these guys on the defensive line. So you literally had Aaron Donald. You had Ernest Jones at the linebacker, and you had Jordan Fuller at safety. And, like, that was it in terms of returning mm-hmm. starters on defense. Then offense, what was Stafford going to look like coming back from injury? What was Cup going to look like coming back from injury? What was Rob Havenstein looking like coming back? Everyone was coming back from injury on offense. So I think most people thought <laughs> – this was going to be a really, really bad team. I personally thought because the way the NFC was laid out, because of the quarterback play in the NFC, they could still mm-hmm. viably play for a playoff spot and kind of have that ceiling yeah. of nine or ten wins, have that floor of six wins. So they're at yep. six right now, um, six and six. But I think in terms of national attention, they've definitely overachieved when people are like, oh, wow, look at these Rams who are actually a, a pretty damn good football team and, and kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, we, we talked about Puka, obviously, earlier. He's been an unbelievable, pleasant surprise. Uh, I think even Kyron Williams has been yeah. you know, great. I like you know, that great. running back they got. He's been great for them. I like yeah. him. I like him a lot. Yeah, um, he's fantastic yeah. out, of, out like, of Notre Dame. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I got him on my fantasy team. He's he's killing it for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it hurt when he was out those four weeks, and, and it hurt the Rams, too. They lost, I think, uh, uh, three oh, yeah. of those four games. But um, since he's been back in the lineup, they've been great. And, um, but yeah, they've got a lot of good pieces. And, you know, they're building, obviously, 424. But, if like, we've all been saying, and like you said, Billy, like, you get to the dance, any, anything can happen. So they're they're yep. right there, and they're well-coached, obviously. Sean McVay, I think, needs to be in that Coach of the Year consideration. I'm surprised he's not gotten more talk about it i think matthew stafford statistically doesn't look as good but if you watch the games and not just look at the stats like he's playing some of his best ball and making the same throws that he's made his whole career mm-hmm. um and how fun would it be billy if we get a, a rams lions playoff game jared goff that would be awesome that would be fun that'd be fun that would be fun in la then i'd have to go yeah <laughs> ryan do you think that cups best days are behind him or do you think that he will can still get back to that you know elite mvp type form i think he can still get back to it um you can tell maybe he's not 100 percent healthy obviously mm-hmm. the with the emergence of puka nakua they're not as reliant on him which is a good thing i mean we saw last year those yeah. first eight weeks before he got hurt how the offense was literally cooper cup and that was it so yeah. it's good that they haven't needed him um, they, they, we talked about it on our show just a few days ago and it, it's, it does look a little off, whether it's health, whether it's, um, continuity with Stafford after missing, you know, time this season off and on, whether it's, mm-hmm. um, is any age. I personally think though, he'll be fine. He still, you know, has the, the ability still has a talent level. When you see him run his routes, he's still a phenomenal route runner. You, I mean, he's, he's going to be a coach one day. The guy's IQ is off the charts in terms mm-hmm. of football knowledge. So um, I think he'll still be back. I don't think it's like a long window. I'm not saying this guy probably has like five years of greatness. It's probably, yeah. you know, maybe another season, maybe two, and then he'll start probably yeah. trending downwards. He is already 30. Um, but I think right. he can still get back to that elite level. Okay, good. Cause he's on one of my keeper teams. So I just want to make sure. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> well, 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 speaking of NFC, we got, you know, the Niners and the Eagles are the Super Bowl favorites. I'm, I'm going to throw in, you know, the Lions right behind them <laughs> just because they're my team. And sure. I have yeah, to throw do them that. In. Throw them in. <laughs> hey, you should. Uh, You're having team, a great what's, year. But what's, which team from the AFC do you think is, is the favorite and has the best chance of making it in? Uh, yeah, the AFC is so tough, man. It's so weird. Like, it's so loaded in terms of 
just I think anyone can win it, but there's no like mm-hmm. elite team because even the Chiefs have shown, you know, chinks in the armor, obviously, with the the offense struggling and their defense is playing a lot better. Mm-hmm. But Buffalo is on a down year. Obviously, Cincinnati now, no Joe Burrow. Jacksonville yeah. is even with Trevor Lawrence. Does anyone really believe in Jacksonville? I would say probably right now my my leader in the clubhouse would be Baltimore. I think that's from top to bottom. They have the most talent. They're they're well coached. I mean, mm-hmm. Harbaugh's been Harbaugh's been there what 150 years, so they obviously have the, <laughs> right, I know. the continuity yeah, with the coach. Yeah. The yeah. defense is always I think good. He coached He's the always Super Bowl smashing. Three. Yeah. Exactly. I think <laughs> they're, he did, yeah. they're, they're very well rounded. That's for sure. So they're probably yeah. and and the Rams play them this this week actually. So we'll get a nice taste of what kind of what each team really looks like um, playing each other. But I would I would say probably. Baltimore? I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah. Uh, um, no, I, I, well, well, we're all I, NFC teams I, here, I so. so it'd probably be a, a producer of the show, Jags, you know, AFC. We're, we're just going to go with Jags. Fuck it. Well, I'm just curious. I'm just curious, Ryan, you know, because because you said the Ravens, that's obviously a popular pick. You know, Kansas City, no, no one's going to count out Mahomes, Reed, and Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Um, but how, how come nobody really trusts Miami? So that there they would be I mean, like it just, my, just, feel, just feels that way. Yeah, yeah 100 percent. I, I think I think part of it they haven't they have yet to beat a top team, which I know mm-hmm. a lot of people take stock yeah. in. Now they've they've played well in all their games that they've um have won. And I think and this is where they'll mm-hmm. make that step to if they're gonna be a true favorite is if that defense takes that next step, which it seems like they have gotten much better. Now they lose um mm-hmm. The, the young kid Jalen, I'm drawing like his last name. They lose him to a torn Achilles, uh, the pass rusher, which was a big loss. Yeah. But but they still have ton. I mean, they got Jalen Ramsey back from injury. Bradley Chubb, obviously on the end. Um, you know, Vic Fangio's now. no slouch. Yeah, J- JPP, you're right. Vic Fangio's no slouch to the head coach. So if the defense gets better, I mean, I don't think anyone's questioning the offense. So it's just a matter of if mm-hmm. that defense can get better. Um, cause if it does, then yeah, I think you've got to tip your scales that way, but it's a good question. Cause they're, they're, everyone's like, Oh, they're a fun team. Like Mike McDaniels is fun coach, but no one's really taking them. Like they're the favorite in the AFC. They're, they're talented. They're man. playing really good defense right now. So they, they might be getting it going at the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they got, they, they got a good roster. I mean, you look at, you look at building out a roster, they've definitely, you know, teams could take notes on, on kind of how they've done it basically. Coach said, "This is what I want, and that's what they went out and got." So if, if, if you're uh, gonna did that well, if Miami's gonna be at the top right there, you gotta have a defense to beat Miami, <laughs> and the one defense that can probably have a good chance of stopping Miami, which you alluded to before, is Baltimore. That's probably yeah. the best defense in the AFC right now. So yeah, um, yeah you, and, you, and you comes, definitely and have it, to give them the edge. And it comes down to who do you trust more, Lamar Jackson or Tua Tagovailoa? And I don't know mm-hmm. if I trust either. That's the hard thing. Yeah. Do you trust yeah. either in the big game? Have either of them proven it yet? And that's where well, you go defense. I think the interesting yeah. too th- thing with both those teams also is neither one of them have a running game that week in and week out you can really feel <laughs> solid about. I think Baltimore probably a little more than Miami, but again, like you said, it's how much do you really trust Gus Edwards? How much do you really yeah. trust, you know, Morster? I mean, these guys are not exactly, you know, well, Miami's, Miami's got a running backs. Miami's got a Chan too, right? A chain or Chan. I'm, I'm not sure exactly yeah, how to pronounce A-Chain. his name, yeah, but that guy, A-Chain. that guy's pretty good. Yeah. But he, but he's a little banged up. So he's, he's playing, he's back. So, yeah. Yeah. He just came back and 
schematically, I think you trust Miami's run game just in terms of what Mike McDaniel does. But yeah, you don't right. have that like true pedigree of a running back. I mean, Mostert, bless him. I don't want to knock on wood here, but the guy gets injured every single season. So is he yeah. going to make it the whole year? And then, yeah, you look at Baltimore and it's like, they're basically a carousel running back every single season. And now it's Gus Edwards. So, yeah. um, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. There's not that true. The AFC from top to bottom, I think is much, much better than the NFC, but in terms of elite team, the NFC has the, the, the elite teams when it comes yeah. down to just like singular teams. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Before we let you go, Ryan, just just let me know, man. How bad was Deshaun Foster at UCLA? How bad was Deshaun Foster at Tustin High? Oh, yeah. Dope. Oh, Billy, we lost Billy. Uh, Dope, right? Dope. Dope. I, I got Play with the our pleasure of seeing Deshaun when uh, you know he was a senior when I was a freshman. I saw him uh, the, the you know the first game of uh, the season. He was like a man amongst boys, man, just running over everybody. Obviously, breaking records at UCLA. Um, that's how I became a Panthers fan because of Deshaun Foster. And uh, yeah, man, it, what what what'd you think of him at UCLA? <laughs> that makes sense. Okay, I was like, how in the hell are you a Panthers fan? But that <laughs> yeah, like, sense. No, the, the question is why in the hell yeah. are you a Panthers fan? And I. And I saw the shirt and I was like, oh, that's a dope Deshaun Foster for I didn't make the connection. Play with our boy Frosty Ruckers. So, you know, they go back. Yep. Uh, no, I mean, he's a legend. He's a running backs coach. Uh, great recruiter. I mean, you look at the running backs UCLA produces year in and year out. You know, you got uh, Joshua Kelly with the Chargers right now. Mm -hmm. um, you got Demetric Felton with the Browns. Obviously, Zach Charbonnet with Seattle. So mm -hmm. he's doing great work as the coach. I mean, he's the guy when you look at UCLA, the hope was this was our hope at the LA football network was that chip Kelly could be good enough for two or three more seasons. And then the two assistant head coaches right now on offense are Jerry Neuheisel, son of Rick Neuheisel, who's mm -hmm. a UCLA legend. He coaches yep. receivers and Deshaun Foster coaches running backs. You would hope that after two or three seasons, you promote one of those two guys to be the head coach as us UCLA legacies, guys that love the program, guys that are younger, mm -hmm. fired up, so Deshaun Foster still, I think, could be in the cards considering they kept Chip Kelly. Um, we'll see if the program <laughs> makes a better run. But yeah, Foster's a legend. And uh, yeah, now I now I now it makes sense why you became a Panthers fan. Yeah. I was like, right, Jake Delhomme, was that <laughs> your uh, calling card? I guess? Right. Jake yeah. Jake Delhomme, Steve yeah. Smith. Yeah. Jake Delhomme, John Fox. No, yeah. Uh, it no, still yeah, doesn't make sense, but at least it's fair. <laughs> Here's the funny thing, too, is that Deshaun Foster actually went to my middle school, too, uh, C.E. Utt. We were at Utt, um, and he went to Tustin High, and then, uh, like I said, I followed him all the way through. And when the Panthers and the Jaguars were expansion teams, my brother and I didn't really have teams at the time. So my dad was like, oh, you guys need teams. So that's how we became Panthers and Jags fans. So here we are, you know. But, uh, yeah. but yeah. Hey, I mean, you and... You and half of L.A., that's how half of L.A. became NFL fans. Yeah. We just chose wait, a play, wait, player wait, on wait a team. A and, wait a second. Wait a uh, second. Man, your dad did you dirty. He could have given you guys any teams in the league to root for. <laughs> he gave you guys the Panthers and the Jags? Yeah. You guys must have been terrible kids. Pops, man. That's, that's, that's how he did us. Yeah, that's how he did us. <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of other UCLA players in the league you guys could have followed. I, that's, what I, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, I mean, Troy Aikman teams, went to the Cowboys. You could have been I a Cowboys Oh, man. You got to, one of these days, you got to tell your dad, Dad, what did you do this to me for? I know, I know. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, Deshaun was kind of like the first guy that I knew that actually went to the league. Frosty, obviously, Frosty. There's Chris Chester, Sam Baker. All those guys went to 
you know, uh, you know, the mm -hmm. league as well. And, you know, he was the first guy, Deshaun was the first guy to make it there when I didn't have a team. So that's kind of mm -hmm. how it all came to be. Yeah. So. Well, it's funny, not, that's kind of how I became an Eagles fan, not a high school connection, but you know, when I was, you know, kind of, uh, you know, young, getting into sports, getting into football, I was a big basketball guy. So uh, it, it took me a little bit longer to get into football, but, uh, around that time, uh, of course, you know, you, you, you remember Ryan, LA didn't have a football team at that time. When I was a kid, uh, you know, the Raiders were in Oakland and the Rams were in St. Louis. So I was starting to get into football and there wasn't a local team to root for. And I just remember watching football games and whatever. I fell in love with Randall Cunningham. And that's, mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. how I became an Eagles fan because I didn't know who to root for. There wasn't a local team. I'm watching football. I'm seeing this guy, Randall Cunningham, and he's just doing things out there that no one else is doing. He's, he's talented. He's flashy. He's running around. He's got the one glove on, which is just kind of like cool. Like, what is this guy doing? Yeah. And, that's that's where you know that's 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 how this happened that's it hey yeah we don't, the we dope don't need kelly green jerseys that was a good one yeah yeah we don't need to hear billy's lying story so anyway very wrap steady, yeah. that's all you gotta know <laughs> <laughs> right, i'm from denver so i'm a broncos fan because it was actually my home team so i think there you go. okay that's that's good that's that's the way to do it yeah ryan before we let you go uh let the people know where they can find you uh social media all that good stuff yeah, fellas, thanks for having me. It was a blast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Divert, LAFB. All of our LA football content is just at LAFBnetwork.com. Got six different YouTube channels, all team specific. Just search USC LAFB, UCLA LAFB, Rams LAFB, Chargers LAFB, or LAFB Network. And uh, yeah, that's that. So thanks for having me, fellas. Yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for uh, joining us. It was a lot of fun. And um we, uh, of course, want to thank everybody who listens to the Matter Stats podcast and check out Ryan, check out the Matter Stats podcast where you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on, well, I guess I should say X, uh, IG, <laughs> our YouTube page. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Go blue.